Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cotchin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Penderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hello, friends. you got MJ. Welcome back to another episode of the 50 Most Relevant. And yes, we are at crunch time. The top 10 has landed and over the past few days. My Patreons, everybody's been getting involved going, I figured out your top 10, MJ. I figured out your top 10. I'm telling you, you didn't do it because nobody that I saw, and apologies if I missed your tweet, nobody had Josh Kelly inside the 50, it seemed, let alone the top 10. I will talk about him for a long, long time. A, a fellow uh, adorationist. Is that even a proper phrase? Who cares? We're going with it. It's Louis. Hello, mate. Good to see you again, buddy. Good, MJ. It's good to be on the podcast talking about Josh Kelly. What a fantastic fantasy footballer he is. He's incredible. I promise you this will not just be a gush fest. Is uh, There will be plenty of critical looking at what he can do as well. But safe to say... You don't make the top 10 if I'm not a big fan of what I think you can deliver in 2021. Still just the 25 years old, this Giants midfielder. Even in an injury-interrupted season last year, he delivered some absolute monster scores for us last year. His best AFL fantasy and dream team score was a 119 unadjusted. You want to play the adjusted game? We're talking 150 territory now. That, that, that's huge scoring. And in Supercoach, in that same game against the Tigers, his top scorer of the year, 195. But wait, that's not his best ever fantasy footy score in Supercoach. Two years earlier against Carlton, he joined the 200 club with a 205. Imagine putting the captaincy on him that week and just strutting into the workplace that Monday. You would have been loving life while his best ever AFL fantasy and dream team score came against the Gold Coast Suns. Also back in 2018, it was a 166. His average in dream team last year is an 84.7 or an adjusted an adjusted average in AFL fantasy, just over that 105 marker, while it was 114.5 in Supercoach. In that format, man, it's cheap when you look at that price, 615,600, just over 800K in AFL fantasy and just over 780,000 in dream team. And Louis, you've already alluded to it already, but Josh Kelly, when you think about the prototype perfect midfielder in terms of the skills build, in terms of the style and the way they play, he really is everything you want from a not just a fantasy footballer, but a football player in general. Oh, absolutely. He's the top tier. He glides across the ground. He loves to work really hard, super fit, takes marks, finds plenty of the football. The Giants want it in his hands just because he uses the football so well. And we've seen through his consistency. I mean, you were saying before, MJ, that he had 12 out of uh, 12 out of 14 tons in 2019, which is just absolutely unheard of. He's absolutely incredible about what he can absolutely do for us week in, week out. Just last year alone, you know, you've already alluded to the 2019, but last year, 22 possessions, he went at a 70% efficiency, which again, fantasy and dream team coaches, you probably don't care too much about that. But for super coaches, that's a really important stat line to keep. Five score involvements, four tackles, four clearances, four inside 50s, and three marks per game on average. In dream team and fantasy, an average of 84, adjusted up to 105. Four pure tons in those shortened quarters. 
three 90 plus scores and that additional 80 scoring. So in reality, eight of his games last year, just about 50%, if not more uh, of what he played last year was in that equivalent of a hundred plus score super coach last year, 114 average, 10 tons, five over 120, including that 195 against Richmond and just the one score under 80. And as you mentioned, Louis, he hasn't just done it for one year. He's done it for multiples. 2019, he averaged 115. 12 tons that year of 100 or more. Seven over 120. And between round nine and 15, back in 2019, his lowest score was 120. That's not too bad at all. And added on top of that, all year, he only fell under 100 twice super coach exactly the same average of 117 11 tons six over 120 his lowest score of 82 and he only failed to register the ton in three games the past four years louis he's just been an absolute out and out premium jet for us oh 100 uh he's averaged over a ton nearly over 110 the last four years as have an adam chalor and andrew gaff uh, why, why is Josh Kelly not being spoken mm. about with these other names? He's only got 3% ownership in AFL fantasy at the moment. Yeah, you're kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> this is ridiculous. And then you compare it to these other big dogs. Let's get a Lockie Neal. He's sure. 23% ownership. He's priced nearly 140000 more than Josh Kelly. And he's got less runs on the board. So let's stay on the Neil thing. Cause again, I want to look at his conversion of hundreds in a moment. So 150 K rounding it up or rounding it around more than Neil. Yes. And yet 20% of coaches give or take a more in on Neil to do that. Let's say Kelly goes 110. Let's be conservative. Let's, you know, even out the four years and say he's 110 for that to really pay off that Neil pick over Kelly. Neil's got to go. Rockcliffe Mitchell Swan territory of a legitimate 125 plus, not just an adjusted average score, like actually deliver it. Yeah, he has to be going at, like you said, Dane Swan, 130, week in, week out. And if he drops below that, something's happened. He's gotten injured. Josh Kelly, unfortunately, that is probably why his ownership is so low. Is well, because that's the of that risk of injury. He, he's he's played. only played... 64 games in the past four years. I think that's what people have got concerned about. Now, while he's got a good conversion of hundreds to games, like he, he'll turn up at 67% of time in the last four years in fantasy and 68% in super coach. That's incredible conversion over such a long period of time, but it is only 64 games over four years. He he's notorious for missing big chunks of footy. He is, and mostly lately, he started off his career by playing 18, 18, 22, 21 games. It's only the last three years where he started to dip below that sort of 21 to 22 game mark that we like to see as fantasy coaches. And that may be due to him just dealing with the workload of what he's been putting under his belt each preseason. We know what sort of runner and the capacity he has to work hard. Mm. I think uh, there could be, uh, you could make a case that maybe GWS want to manage Josh Kelly a little bit better, especially in a contract year for Josh Kelly Mm. coming up this year. So I think that uh, he could have an uptick again in games. And like you were saying before, MJ, if you're worried about him getting injured, then you're never going to pick him. So why not start with him? 
I think that's the perfect point, isn't it? It is you look at Josh Kelly, no one's going to doubt that the boy can score. He, he scores at will. He goes on tears of tons. And he has, like you mentioned too, mate, ceiling that matches it right with the best players across the game. With anybody that's a premium at this level that has injury concerns, it's a real simple choice in my eyes. You either start him, you bank the games that he plays, you bank that average of 110, 115, you hope that maybe some of those 140s and 150s pop early. And then if that injury comes, which historically, sure, is probably more likely than unlikely to happen, at least you've banked the points from the get-go. You haven't seen him fly out of the gate four rounds in, then go, oh, he is that premium big boy. I better get him. Yes, History trends would suggest the injury variables only increase with players like this as every game passes. So it's for this. If you go, his injury history is not great. That's, that's why I won't start him. If that's your line of argument, you need to commit to that to the year and then not upgrade to him. Maybe you could argue it's a little bit different in AFL fantasy where you've just got two trades a week, use it or lose it, or three through the multi-buy rounds. But certainly in the more limited trade formats of the game, if that's the reason you're not starting him is the injury history, you just can't pick him. Now, if it's more, well, he doesn't fit my buy structure or I can't afford him or I'm trying to get value here or here, that's different. Injury is not the reason you're not picking him. But if injury is the reason you're not picking him to start, you've got to go all in on that call and not go for him as an upgrade. 100%. And do you know what? Where Josh Kelly's priced that at least in AFL fantasy, if he were to go down early on, he's about 810000 mm. Remember, he plays for the GWS Giants. The next one's just going to come off the rank. You might just go down to a Stephen Cornelio who yeah. might just do your scoring. So I think that, yeah, Josh Kelly, that injury history is a massive concern. But certainly in AFL fantasy, there is just so much upside to take the jump, to take that risk. And if it doesn't work out, there's ways to move. You might even jump down to a Brad Crouch, who's also injury prone. But, you know, it's just you have a plan B for blokes like this. I think if you're going to select a bloke who is injury prone, like a Wayne Malera is probably another good example of that. You want to have the plan B to say, okay, Josh Kelly, oh, he's pinged a calf in the preseason all right, well, I've got, you know, 15K sitting there. Titch played uh, in the preseason, looked all right. I'll go to Tom Mitchell instead. Or you might go down. So I think um, he, he is a really good risk to take. Yeah, I'm a big fan. He's a legitimate captaincy option. Um, most weeks, you look at his ability to get big tons, he's a captaincy option. That ownership that you alluded to in AFL Fantasy of 3%, it's 7 and 8% in Dream Team and Supercoach as well. So for a dude that is a continual 115 and around the marker in Supercoach and a continual 110 and around the mark plus in Dream Team and Fantasy, players like this don't come along that often. Players with his scoring ceiling and frequency of hundreds don't come along that often. And while the history is there that he will get injured, it's also not a guarantee. You think back to 2019, Brad Crouch, injury prone, injury prone, injury prone. What did he do in 2019? 22 games. Didn't miss a game of footy. 2018, Devin Smith, injury prone, injury prone, injury prone. What happened? Played every single game. The year earlier, Taylor... Adams, 
Injury prone, injury prone. Didn't miss it. Hadn't played a game. What did he do in 2017? Played every game. And so while the past can inform the future, the past doesn't dictate the future instead, which I think was a great point that you picked up, Louis. If he gets injured mid-year, you're not like, where did this come from? It's never happened before. But just because it has, doesn't mean it will. That's right, yeah. I think you just got to, like you said, take the risk. And with Josh Kelly, what's interesting is when he has had his highest seasonal average, which was mm. 2019, 115.9, he was actually down 5% time on ground and what his career average is there. Yeah. So uh, there's definitely room for improvement too, which I'm not sure you can make much of a case for blokes priced around him that they yeah. have much room for improvement and they're probably priced thereabouts or you know two or three points unders whereas josh kelly i'd be confident in saying that he could be a 125 averaging afl yeah. fantasy midfielder yeah and i think he could do the very much the same sort of range too in super coach look what do you need from these guys that are spending big big dollars on you need a, a safety and security in terms of their role you're gonna get that out of josh kelly not just because it's his contract year, but because he is the most complete midfielder that they've got. So his security of role is there. You need the ability to convert tons frequently and not just sit in that 90 range. He's got that. The ability then when you get that ton to make it count and go 120 plus in multiple times, he's got that. He gives you something that he really shouldn't and that is, he's, he's unique. A player of his ability should not be in this low ownership of teams. And then the thing that people aren't noticing is his multi-buy round, where a lot of people are panicked about round 13, round 14. He sits in a nice sweet spot for us where you can target him and run him right from the get-go. For me, Louis, I'm starting him everywhere. Like I know there is a risk about him, but I'm banking in every game I can get of Josh Kelly. He's won the 2K time trial. He's flying through the preseason. He's an in and outside midfielder. He does it all. I'm sold. What about oh, you? Absolutely. Everything is adding up to say that Josh Kelly round one could just bang out a 150. Yeah. Oh, you got to find the funds. Love to a get big it. call. And if you weren't keen on his injury history, then all of a sudden you're questioning yourself again. So Look, Josh Kelly, for me, absolute no-brainer at M1 in yep. most formats of fantasy football. Absolutely. That's, that's exactly where I've got it, mate. No, I think he's an absolute ripping pick in 2021. And um, this is not opposite day. Um, but if a coach goes, you're nuts, boys, I'm, I, I actually want you to think that. I genuinely want you to go, you boys are crazy. He's injury prone. Don't go near. I want that because when he goes 115 over the first eight weeks, I will be laughing to the bank. And if he doesn't, let's run that thought gauntlet. He gets injured. Okay. Well, I've probably banked a couple of tons and maybe one poxy score, but what do I do? He's priced around every other big boy. All of a sudden, maybe Jackson McRae's had a slow start. That role readjustment happens to Bulldogs midfielders. Bang. You're able to make that quick slideways trade. All of a sudden, you see a make a makeshift move. You can pick up a Lockie Neal who might slow start and jump all on him. So even if an injury comes at his price point, you've got options. Exactly. You might see Sam Walsh, you know, taking yeah. the form of the last five rounds last year and go at 118. 
he's not he's pretty easy to get to from Josh Kelly. It's likely going to be a downgrade. So yeah, it, it, it minimizes the potential risk of starting him for sure. Yeah, I, I think so. Where he goes in a draft though is fascinating. For some coaches, anybody with a historic more than one season of missing games. They just drop them down in their draft tiers just because that's a really important factor. And understandably so. You can't throw a player of Josh Kelly's caliber back into the pool and pick somebody back up just like you can make that sort of a move in the salary cap formats of the game. But for me, I still have Josh Kelly as an M1. I think he's going to be a top 10 performing midfielder clearly across the formats. The injury risk is real, sure. But I think if you want him, you got to get him early. He's not a round one pick in my eyes. But round two, round three, I think if you want him, those are the places you're going to have to get him. And, and it'd be an early round three at best. Where do you think he goes, Louis? Is that in a similar range you've got him? Yeah, spot on MJ. He, he is an M1. And I think um, just the way that drafts are looking this year, that you can probably pick him up um, early to mid sort of second round and, he might sneak out into that third round, by, yeah. by which means lock and load. You're, <laughs> you're laughing to the bank. Uh, a bit like Matt Rowlett, buddy, M4 the other day. So, yeah, Josh Kelly, M1 every day of the week. And, yeah, probably a really good second round pick, I think. Yeah, look, I'd happily lock in one of my key forward or defensive options in that first round. Again, it all depends where you pick. Lands determines who might be available to you. But yeah, if you can lock him away as your M1. And again, with drafts, if you are concerned about his injury, make sure then that a future pick in your draft supports this pick. So draft an extra mid-heavy and, and, and mitigate the risk by drafting that. Every pick in your draft should always support the following picks. And so if you go, I'll take him, but I'm worried about it. Well, at round eight, where you might normally draft a back, pick up another one of those key end midfielders before they fall away. So absolutely, make sure you're doing that. Louis, as always, mate, great to have you back on the podcast episodes. Uh, the first player revealed in the top 10, Josh Kelly. Thank you, man. Oh, what a privilege. Uh, just realised that. So that's great. And uh, what a player to kick off the top 10 with. I can only imagine how good the next nine must be. Nine players left to go in my 50 most relevant. Maybe you've figured out who are the nine players. And maybe you haven't. But the question is, have you got the order right? Have you got the top five right? And who will be the most relevant player in my eyes for 2021? We're only a couple of days away from finding out. If you want to read all the other players revealed so far and their articles, the links are at coachespanel.tv. The links to join our Patreon supporter group, you can find that while you're there as well. And you can grab every single podcast episode through the way you're listening to this. Just go back and find it. All the other players revealed from the 50 most relevant are there. We hit the number nine marker. Yeah. It's taken us 40-odd days to get here. We're finally into the single-figure digits of the 50 most relevant. Who's number nine? I'll tell you tomorrow. Give it up.